Good morning. It is Tuesday, December 21st. You are listening to the College Football Daily. My name is Lance Glenn. There are two bowl games on tap today. I want to start with that. First, you have Kent State and Wyoming in the famous Idaho Potato Bowl. That's at 3.30 Eastern. And then the Frisco Bowl at 7.30 Eastern as UTSA takes on San Diego State. But we're not going to be talking about those bowl games today. We're going to be talking about the transfer portal. And it is certainly heating up around college football. We already have seen so many big name players enter. Some already choose their next destination. And I'm sure many more are soon to come. And what better to do on this Tuesday morning than check in on that portal with 24-7 Sports College Football Writer and Transfer Portal Extraordinaire, Chris Hummer. Chris, how are we doing? Thanks so much for coming on and joining me. Absolutely. Happy to. So I wanted to first get your opinion on comments made last week by Dabo Sweeney in regards to the portal. He and Clemson obviously are not a program that hits the portal or they have not hit the portal very hard over the last few years. He called the portal chaos, tampering galore, and called for the return of the one-year sit-out for transfers. So I guess just what are your thoughts on Dabo's comments and I guess his just negative thinking towards the transfer portal? Well, I I would separate into two thoughts. One, I don't think he's wrong. It is chaos. There is tampering everywhere and it's a mess, but that's kind of college football in a nutshell, right? Like that's the whole sport. That's recruiting. That's the administrations. That's the governance. That's everything. And that's kind of the rules we have, which leads me to my second thought, which is that Dabo Sweeney needs to adapt to the rules that we have. He has never taken a transfer to my knowledge at Clemson. Um, not not once, not in the transfer portal era, not before. And he actually retained players better than anybody else for a long time, but that started to shift too. The one-time exemption has totally changed the way you manage rosters. And Dabo is starting to lose players to the portal he never would have before. And given these small recruiting classes he signs, Clemson's going to be at a disadvantage numbers-wise if they don't start adding transfers. Um, not only like at a disadvantage in terms of fielding a championship level roster but a disadvantage in terms of like depth i think clemson's only at like 75 scholarships right now they signed a 2022 class that's only like 13 kids right now so they don't have a lot of wiggle room Dabo needs to adjust in that way and i would just i would tell Dabo he just needs to kind of get with the times with that like he's gonna fall behind if he doesn't the one-time transfer exemption is not going away athletes deserve the right to make their decisions when coaches have the same option And Dabo Sweeney just needs to adjust. Otherwise, he's going to get left behind. Yeah, look, certainly not the recruiting class that I'm sure they would have hoped for. Had a few decommitments and obviously dealt with some attrition uh, in the coaching staff with Brent Venables heading to Oklahoma and Tony Elliott heading to Virginia. Before we get into some of the guys that are currently in the portal, four quarterbacks made their decisions either late last week into this weekend. Dylan Gabriel went from Central Florida to UCLA. Adrian Martinez, who it feels like is in his 10th season now, went from Nebraska to Kansas State. Bo Nix went from Auburn to Oregon. Max Johnson went from LSU to Texas A&M. Did any of those four really stand out to you? Is there, I guess, a, a fit or a destination choice that you like the best from that group? Well, I think naturally, I think Dylan Gabriel is the best quarterback of those four. And I also think the fit makes the most sense for UCLA. Um, Dorian Thompson Robinson has been a really solid quarterback the last four years for UCLA. He has some deficiencies, particularly as a passer, um, especially with a deep third of the field um, and a little bit of a consistency on the second and first levels as well. Dylan Gabriel for UCLA will open up the offense for Chip Kelly in a way we have not seen during his UCLA tenure. UCLA is going to return a lot of talent. And I think Dylan Gabriel, if he stays healthy, is the type of option that could really elevate UCLA, at least for next season, to the kind of top of the contention in the Pac-12 South as USC tries to get it together, as Utah replaces a lot of pieces. So I think Dylan Gabriel and UCLA is a really nice fit. 
So now let's move on to some of the most sought after guys that are currently available. And I want to stick with quarterbacks. The highest rated available is Cameron Ward from Incarnate Ward. He's the sixth ranked transfer in the transfer portal rankings on 247sports.com. And I know he's someone you think very highly of. What do you think makes him such an intriguing player, obviously coming from a small school? And what's the latest you know on his future? Well, I've had several people tell me, like several Power 5 coaches tell me that they consider him a borderline generational talent. So that's not that's not my opinion. That's just like coaches in the industry that are salivating over his potential. He's got as strong as arm as anybody in the country. Can throw from a lot of different arm angles. He is, I will admit, very, very raw. He's playing in a wing T system two years ago in high school. But um, the last two years of Incarnate Word under Eric Morris, who's now the offensive coordinator at Washington State, he set a myriad of FCS records. Um, he won the Jerry Rice Award as a true freshman in the spring season of 2021, I suppose. That's the same thing Trey Lance won uh, a season before he ended up going to the NFL and uh, going number three overall, I suppose. So Kim is that type of talent. Old Miss has already offered, Virginia Tech's offered, Florida, Auburn, and a bunch of other schools have kind of been in the mix. So he's just a really high upside guy. I think it might take a year or two for him to really get settled, but the talent is extraordinary. And I think he could really make some noise on the power five level if given the chance. As for the latest with Cameron, he took an old Miss visit right before the dead period. I would say given the relationships he has there right now, they're probably slightly out front and all Miss is still exploring their options. An interesting thing about Cameron Ward though, is he is still considering incarnate word incarnate word just hired GJ Klein as their head coach. He was most recently the offensive coordinator at UCF. He's 33 years old, um, considered a rising star in the industry. And I do think talking to his dad, there's at least a small chance that Cameron considers going back to incarnate word following the hire. So that's something interesting to follow. Yeah, definitely would throw a, a wrench for a lot of these schools that are obviously going after uh, the highly talented transfer from Incarnate Ward. Look, we have two running backs now changing positions in the top five of the rankings. Jameer Gibbs from Georgia Tech and Zach Evans from TCU. Look, I think everyone knows about Evans' crazy recruitment back when he was in high school. And Gibbs back in the 2020 cycle was obviously a very big get for the Yellow Jackets. What are you hearing about both of them and how their recruitments have played out since entering the portal? Yeah, Jameer's had a lot of interest early on. Like schools like Michigan State were pushing really hard for them for him, despite already having a running back commitment in this class. But I've heard from a lot of people that Jameer wants to end up at Alabama. Alabama has not extended that offer yet, but I get the feeling it might come. Alabama's running back room, I wouldn't say it's a mess because it's really talented, but there's just a lot more questions than answers with Brian Robinson headed to the NFL next year. A lot of really talented players who've been hurt throughout their career, a lot of unproven underclassmen. So I think bringing in Jameer Gibbs for Alabama makes a lot of sense. And if they chose to go that direction, if they chose to extend that offer, I do strongly believe Jameer would end up at Alabama. As for Zach Evans, his recruitment's a little more interesting. Zach had a very loud recruitment the first time around. Um, This time, even talking to one of his family members, Zach is playing extremely close to the vest. He visited Ole Miss. He visited Tennessee. I've heard from people around Zach that LSU is a place that he's always wanted to play. I've heard Florida brought up with Zach Evans as well. I haven't been able to confirm that element outside of just kind of a rumor that somebody brought towards me. So I'm not 100% sure where he stands. Zach is doing a much better job this time of keeping things quiet. But those are some of the schools I've heard in the mix. And I did want to ask you, it just popped up to my head. I was very interested in seeing Bo Nix transfer. And this is, I know we mentioned him earlier, but I was very interested in seeing Bo Nix transfer to Oregon. Obviously, they have Ty Thompson, uh, the highly rated quarterback. A lot of Oregon fans, I'm sure, wanted to see him this year when Anthony Brown was struggling. They didn't. Um, But the belief was that Ty Thompson would be the guy going forward. But Dan Lanning comes in, Mario Cristobal leaves. Dan Lanning isn't 
invested in Ty Thompson like Mario Cristobal was. What do you think of of Bo Nix transferring to Oregon and the, I guess, possible effects it could have? Did Do you get the fit? I, I was just surprised to see Oregon with Thompson kind of lurking it and, and maybe ready to go. Obviously, Oregon knows better than we do, but I, I was just surprised to see that they went after Nix and that he ultimately ended up choosing Oregon. Yeah, I understand the fit. So counting Dillingham as their new offensive coordinator. Um, he came from Florida State, but um, during the 2019 season when Bo was a freshman, Penny Dillingham was Bo's offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach. So that's the connection there. I think Kenny brought in Bo to give some immediate experience to that room. I think I've heard varying reports on Ty Thompson's readiness, and it makes sense if you're Dan Lanning, a first-year head coach, to bring an experienced arm in the room that you know for at least one season you've got an answer at quarterback. I don't think I necessarily agree with that idea. I think if you're Dan Lanning, you have Ty Thompson, who we consider a really, really good quarterback prospect for what we project to be only two more years. And I think you want to get the most from him, which means playing him next year. But maybe they don't feel Ty Thompson's ready looking at the film. I personally would have rolled with Ty, but the idea with Bo is to bring in a safe starting option that that coaching staff is familiar with. Bo's ceiling is not nearly as high as Ty Thompson's is, but I think his floor is certainly higher at this point than what we can see from Ty. But I think that'll be a battle this spring as well. So, Chris, a couple more from me. Look, we have bowl games still to play. Spring practice is obviously still to go through months from now. When should fans expect the next, I guess, boom in entries into the portal? Because, and, and like you would know better than I would, but I think we agree that before all is said and done, the amount of players in the portal is just going to grow significantly from where it is right now. Yeah, I think there's going to be a couple stretches after bowl games will be a popular time for players to go in the portal. I think a really interesting period to watch is the next semester, so early January or late December, I suppose, because the NCAA's one-year exception that allows schools to sign up to seven more players only is triggered when you lose a player via transfers after the semester is over. So any players that are entering now do not count towards a school being able to add seven more. You have to wait till the end of the semester for a lot of these schools, and that's coming up very soon. I think you can see a wave there. We're definitely going to see a wave during spring ball. And we'll definitely see a wave during the summer before the cutoff date happens. But I think the really big wave will come once schools can essentially tell players they're not coming back or not renewing your scholarships on the G5 level, at least, so they can clear out space to sign seven more players. And then last one, you know, going down the rankings, there's a few really intriguing names that stick out to me. I'll I'll mention two. One, Taj Harris, the transfer wide receiver from Syracuse, who was once headed to Kentucky, has now reopened his recruitment, I should say. One kind of under-the-radar guy I really like is Willie Tyler, the transfer offensive lineman from Louisiana Monroe. Are there any guys, as you move down the rankings, that you're really intrigued by that you think, and, and obviously it depends where they end up, but that you think could really make a big impact next year? I would say on Taj, like he had an academic issue getting into Kentucky, so... I think his status for other schools is um, certainly something to watch. I, I know that's a concern. I think Akron wide receiver Keontae Mumfield is really interesting. He's picked up a lot of big offers recently. He's been a star in the MAC for a couple of seasons now. And I think he's a potential difference maker uh, for a team once he gets there. We need to get, we need to adjust our ranking on him a little bit, but he is a really potentially big add for people. Um, he was just a freshman this year at 751 yards, eight touchdowns. Um, I think he could be an impact player on the Power 5 level. Tavian Robinson, speaking of Kentucky, um, came from Virginia Tech, one of the top all-purpose threats in the ACC. He kind of took Todd Harris' spot in that class. I think he's going to be a really, really nice add for the Wildcats. Replaces a lot of what Wondell Robinson brought to the table previously there's a i mean the transfer portal's got so many names um there's so many interesting situations um 
Willie Tyler is a guy I really like, former Texas um, signee and offensive guard. I would imagine he ends up on the Power 5 level again this year. Um, Kalen Prince, Karen Prince, I have no idea what's going on with him. Uh, he was at South Carolina a very brief amount of time, but former true freshman All-American at Kansas who's still on the open market. I'm very interested to see where he ends up. I've heard a lot of Jack Miller, uh, the former Ohio State quarterback to Florida buzz. Um, that could be a really interesting fit. So there's just so many, there's so many names in the portal right now. It's hard to pick just a couple. And look, you know better than anyone that the transfer portal never stops. So I'll let you obviously uh, head out and get back on that grind. Chris, thanks so much for joining me and giving me some time. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Lance. You can follow him on Twitter at Chris underscore Hummer. Tomorrow, we will highlight one team specifically that is hitting the portal quite hard in the early going. For Chris Hummer, I am Lance Glenn. Thanks for listening to this episode of the College Football Daily. I'll talk to you on Wednesday.